Hi, my name is Jeff Eliason. I serve as the Chief Operations Officer at Peak Capital Management, a registered investment advisor and asset manager located in Denver, Colorado. I am also a founding member and part of the leadership team of the Denver chapter of Strengthening the Advisor Community, or STAC. STAC sets out to provide thought leadership and support for registered investment advisors and the financial advisory community throughout Colorado and across the country. Welcome to a virtual presentation through the Denver chapter of STAC. It's a real pleasure to have Greg Heffington of JAM Consulting Group join us today to share decades of insight and thought leadership for financial advisors specific to reaching their potential, certainly in the midst of crisis. Greg Heffington and JAM Consulting have been working with psychologists and financial advisors for decades. As a financial advisor, we know that this is a challenging and unique environment. We also know that many advisors and their clients are struggling through this period of time. We're hopeful that Greg provides actionable, relevant content for you to use as you strive to maximize and realize your potential through this period of time. Greg, thanks so much for carving out uh, time and, and relating to us uh, given decades of experience and research that you've done in coordination uh, with psychologists, psychiatrists, and, and also uh, financial professionals. We're all looking forward to hearing what you have to say and uh, applying it as we charge forward. Thanks again. For the opportunity to share some insights and hopefully provide uh, some tactical elements to uh, address this challenging time and help advisors sort of reach their potential. Uh, it's, it, it is an interesting moment, um, and I think sort of the challenge lives in front of every one of us. Um, before I really sort of launch into this, and I will apologize on the front end, I don't have enough time to really dig as deep as I would like to on these three topics that I'm going to share with you today, but I will uh, follow up with opportunity to, um, you know, get a little more uh, granular on, on the three topics. But at least uh, today we'll get it started and, and hopefully set you on a path uh, where you can find some fi find some relief in, in the stress that's in front of us at this moment in time. Uh, there's a concept that I have uh, grown very fond of, and I, I think it's the description is easy. It's uh, the analogy is pretty straightforward. Um, and it is the rider and the elephant. <clears throat> the bottom line is that, you know, the rider uh, obviously would love to think that they're controlling the elephant, but if the elephant decides it's going to go over there, it's going to go over there. I mean, an individual sitting on top of the elephant really isn't going to uh, change the course. Uh, the representation here is really that of our mind. Uh, the logic is the rider, the emotion is the elephant, and the bottom line is, if you want uh, the elephant to go over there, you've got to make the path pretty easy. Uh, we all know that emotions 
make decisions, we use logic to justify those decisions. And if you keep that in mind as we kind of go down this path, what I'm really hoping to do is just make uh, the emotional trip a little easier so that the actual writer can uh, fi find their way through through this uh, emotional challenge into the logical solutions that we all want to see and uh, implement. Um, <clears throat> three factors I'm going to talk about in this disruptive environment that we're in are really uh, twofold, threefold. Uh, loss of routine, the three factors, loss of routine, the idea that you know, there's no more uh, get up in the morning, have a cup of coffee, take the dog for a walk, get a shower, get in the car, and head to the office. Uh, that's that's gone at, at this moment in time, and uh, it is extremely disruptive and at the same time really stressful. Second one is a need to act, and that's a basic human uh, emotion response, the opportunity or the need uh, that we we need to get something done, and there's some very satisfying elements to accomplishing tasks and getting things done, and that need to act sort of driving some of the <clears throat> challenges we have because we're not exactly sure what to do, uh, but we know we need to do something, so we kind of dig in, and that uh, because we don't necessarily feel like we're getting what done what we want to get done, uh, this need to act is creating some stress as well, and then obviously the loss of connection. Um, the opportunity to shake hands, to see someone visually, to you know hug, uh, that loss of connection is extremely um, uh, stressful on on us as a species because it is it is part of the human condition. It's part of who we are. So let's dig into these three factors and and see if we can come up with not only what they are but some ideas about how to overcome some of the stress and anxiety that goes with it. In the loss of routine, you know we talk about uh, novelty is being one of the issues, and novelty uh, is a wonderful thing if you're on vacation. Um, it provides, um, you know, I mean, just the the excitement of every day getting up and finding something new. That that novelty is part of what is really um, enticing and or enjoyable about a vacation or uh, some new venture or some new task or. Uh, even a new software, a new computer, um, you know, it, those are all things that bring some joy to us because of the novelty. The challenge here is that novelty doesn't stop. Um, it It is a continuation, and every day seems to be some new challenge that goes with it. So novelty uh, can absolutely be beneficial, but in this particular case, the novelty starts to wear pretty thin because we really just can't um, find ourselves in a routine. Um, and it, it really just, I mean, it provides, it, it, there's extra attention needed just to exist because of this novelty. Um, the lack of predictability. <clears throat> I know that uh, within everybody's life, this idea of predictability uh, has kind of gone the way of the dodo bird at some level. I mean, we're just, we're looking for um, some way to bring some of that back to the to the table, and and I think about my own situation here. My my daughter and son-in-law with the two grandchildren, uh, they huddled in place here for about four weeks, and while it was delightful spending time with the kids and the grandchildren, uh, the predictability of my calendar was just uh, just just went crazy. I mean, there's just um, you know just interruptions one right after another, and I got things I want to get done, and yet at the same time. Um, need to sort of take advantage of that opportunity that we have, but this lack of predictability really sort of hinders everybody, which leads to fatigue. The level of fatigue is incredible. Um, 
the uh, it just it it you feel drained all the time, and I and I I'm sure I share this sense with with pretty much everybody who's listening to this. The idea that you know I'm just I'm just worn out, and I can't quite put my finger on it. Um, and and it's all this idea of loss of routine, the novelty, the lack of predictability, and the the fatigue that sort of results in that. So the real question is, so what can I do about it? Um, and in the process of finding a new routine, there's a few things that I think will help. One, embrace the novelty. I mean, I, I know it's difficult and it is very tiring, but it is the situation we're in. And so that focus on the things you can control. I mean, I'm sure you've heard that a million times, uh, but embrace the novelty. This is something that is novel. It is something that uh, may become may become the norm, as difficult as that might be to process. It, it could be the norm going forward, but at this moment in time, because of the novelty, embrace it. Uh, try to try to find a way to um, make it happen. Engage your family. Engage your immediate surrounding. You got individuals around you, uh, and it it's helpful to engage them in the process. I think about, again, my kids being here with the grandchildren, we ultimately ended up every morning at breakfast <clears throat> sitting down and, and laying out the day so that uh, my granddaughter specifically or my grandson, either one of them, uh, would look for, you know, when's grandpa going to be able to play ponies or when are we going to go outside and play in the creek or whatever, whatever it happened to be. If we didn't lay that out for the day, then the expectation was that at any moment in time when they got bored, they could just tap grandpa on the shoulder and off he'd go. So we had to sort of set some boundaries and set some rules. And so engage engage your immediate core people, uh, family, whether it's, you know, your spouse or <clears throat> kids or, you know, your whoever they are that's immediately around you. Engage them and, and try to help build this idea of routine uh, that'll relieve some of the stress over time. Another thing that is really helpful here is to take a realistic assessment of your current structure or the lack thereof. Um, really look at, you know, what is it that I could be doing to put more structure in my life? Is it, you know, get up in the morning, get a shower, get dressed for work, shave, you know, go down the path of really preparing yourself to go to work, which then allows you to sort of provide a, a sense of structure in the day. Uh, as as you move forward. So a realistic assessment. You're looking for gaps and you want to fill those gaps uh, wherever you might be able to do that. So those three things are sort of part of it. And then the last piece of this, there's a question out here as to whether or not you're becoming overly self-reliant. Uh, many times when we <clears throat> find ourselves in situations of high stress, we start to dig a little deeper on ourselves and sometimes hold ourselves accountable at a level that maybe we shouldn't. But over being overly self-reliant means you're not looking for input. You're not getting input from others. And that can be really um, disastrous in terms of, you know, finding a new routine. So look for input from others. Uh, don't think that you've got to solve this by yourself. Uh, look look for input. Uh, it, it, it will definitely help. The need to act. Um, the idea of impulsivity is really what I want to get to here. And impulsivity is uh, a, a real challenge, and it's ever-present in virtually everybody uh, that has been measured. And, you know, I'm talking around some of this with the help of the Morrison. Morrison and Associates out of Palatine, Illinois. Dr. David and Dr. David Morrison are uh, their organizational psychiatrists, and they have spent years studying uh, attributes of, of, you know, what makes people tick and sort of behavioral science behind all that. And they've got 
13 attributes of successful, lots, lots of information. But this idea of need to act and impulsivity really is, um, is part of the human condition and part of who we are. Uh, we just feel like we need to do something. And in some cases, you know, doing something uh, may be very beneficial. In other cases, without thought, doing something may, may, may be disastrous. Um, we want to solve challenges. We want to solve problems. I mean, it's just, it is who we are. Um, we want to help. So this idea of needing to act is, again, really um, important to understand and at the same time recognize that it that for us to be effective at doing so, we need to apply some judgment here. And uh, the Morrisons have a really interesting model that I think is really helpful to get to here. Um, they start with collecting data. And it's not about collecting data in and of itself. It's pertinent and relevant data and all of the data available. And that's, I know, a bit of a challenge because in some cases, you know, we want to get something done. So we collect enough data to where we feel like we've got enough to act on it and off we go. And it doesn't always benefit us to just get at it. Sometimes uh, we need to be thoughtful. The second step is to synthesize, boil it down. Once you've got the data, you got to boil it down to you know what's really going to be impactful in the decisions you want to make and the judgment that you need to apply. And the last thing is act. And in the act, in the implementation stage, uh, it's really important to continue to collect data, continue to synthesize, because as you're implementing an idea or implementing a strategy or implementing a task that ultimately ends up in satisfying a need or helping someone, uh, there's always new data being created because of the act of implementing the idea. So how does that work and what's the biggest fault? The biggest challenge in all of this is understanding the factors. Um, this comes directly, Agile is, uh, Agile Analytics is a, a product of David Morrison and Fred Harburg at Kellogg uh, University. And this, uh, this, or Kellogg School of Business, but the, the idea here, growth factors, Perceptiveness and ambiguity, task perceptiveness, that's really in the in the gathering of data, um, and it's the ability to really understand whether uh, it makes sense. The flexible thinking, emotional, nonverbal dexterity, abstract thinking, scope of inquiry, those are things that impact the uh, synthesizing of the data you've collected. And then the saboteurs are the ones that really <clears throat> hinder our ability uh, to to implement these ideas and uh, depending upon you know where you sit on these scales uh, gives you an idea about how you're wired and that's what this is about it's not about personality it's really about how your system is wired to take in information process information synthesize it and then the implementation of those ideas impulsivity as I started off was one of those challenges that lives in all of us it's it, uh, Typically, a attribute that scores very high with virtually everybody uh, that has been at least tested. Um, and the challenge with impulsivity is that we, we really just don't always sort of move forward. I put this puzzle piece up here because I want to share an example, a very specific example of impulsivity and how it caught me off guard uh, back when I was a financial advisor. I had one of my best clients sit down with me at one point in time and ask me if, if I could meet with her, one of her best friends. Her name was Evelyn Brewster. And, and I said, of course, you know, I'd be happy to meet with her. And she 
pulls out a piece of yellow legal pad and hands the piece of paper to me and on it is virtually everything financially uh, in all the financial information I would need from Evelyn Brewster. It's bank accounts, brokerage accounts, uh, bonds, um, you know, her debt structure, uh, everything, all of her assets on a single piece of paper. And then the question came, would, could you meet with her two weeks on Tuesday at 2.30 in the afternoon? And of course, I didn't even bother to get my calendar out. <coughs> Pardon me. I just said, sure, absolutely, ready to go. Um, I'll clear my schedule. So now I've got everything I need. I've got two weeks to prepare. I pull together this fabulous financial plan. Evelyn sits down with me in the first meeting. I shake her hand. Thank you very much. We sit down and I pull out the plan. I lay it in front of her and I start down the path saying, Evelyn, I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, here's what I've done. I look up at Evelyn and I'm getting this look. You know this look. Someone in your family or someone in your life can give you this look where you know immediately upon seeing this look that whatever you're doing right now, you shouldn't be doing. Well, that's the look I got from Evelyn. And I stopped and I said, Evelyn, I'm sorry, but I see something's gone amiss here. Something's gone awry. Um, what happened? She said, yeah, you're right. There is something wrong. She said, you're just like every other financial advisor I've ever met with. You're only concerned about one thing, my money. I was devastated. I mean, it really was like a blow to the head with a two by four. And I said, Evelyn, I'm sorry, you're, you're absolutely correct. Uh, I would like to start over. Is there any possibility of doing that? And she said, I hope so. So I folded up the plan, put it in the drawer, and we started down the path of having a conversation. What I learned was that impulsivity in this process was I thought I had all the information necessary to do a financial plan. And I did from a financial standpoint, from the number standpoint. What I didn't have was the information about Evelyn. What I didn't have were all the pieces to the puzzle that allowed me to sort of understand Evelyn. Once I had that, once I had gathered that information, two or three meetings later, by the way, uh, then it became obvious that I had the right picture, collecting all the data, all of the important data before I got to the plan. Delivering the plan at that point became easy because at that point, Evelyn was like, okay, now that you know who I am and what I'm really all about here, let's talk about that financial plan that you have put together. So we implemented down the path we went. This need to act um, is really, really prominent. Impulsivity is something you got to watch out for. So what are we going to do about it? Um, resist the pressure to act prematurely. <clears throat> Again, really collect the data, boil it down, and then act. Um, in the process, it's really about thinking about your thinking. You know, be be aware that there is um, th this need to act, this impulsivity is gonna be prominent or is gonna be always present. And what you need to be able to do is slow down and really think about your thinking. And then please don't confuse activity with productivity. It's, it's not gonna help you down this path. Um, Third one, you know, we talked about this idea of, uh, you know, sort of routine, get a schedule pulled together, uh, the impulsivity of the need to act. So the need to connect. And the challenge here is so significant. Um, there's a need for physical contact that is, it's, it is the human condition, the results of which generate oxytocin. And, you know, it's, it's sort of like, uh, you know, the love drug or um, the snuggle drug, as as the clinicians will describe it. Um, it's it's generated mostly by physical contact. And it is it's an endorphin that 
that really provides us comfort, this great feeling of, of where you're going from here. And that that oxytocin is missing if you can't touch and feel. Um, the impact of social media is a significant part of this. And, and by the way, I mean, I think about this idea of, you know, social distancing. It's really misnomer. I mean, it is physical distancing that I think we need to be aware of, but social distancing, you know, we really need to sort of be in a in a position where socially we need to be more active, more engaged than we've been in the past. We just can't be physical in the process of being social. So what is social media and the impact of that is? It can be good and it can be bad. The pluses, <coughs> pardon me, are the pluses are that, um, you know, we we really can stay in touch. We can we can be visible with we can get a visual on what other people are doing, you know, whether it's, you know, FaceTime or Zoom or any of these, you know, sort of impact the opportunity to sort of get face to face, um, understand what's going on, share ideas through social media. Those are all the pluses of what social media can can really represent. The minuses are that there's a lot of misinformation. There's a huge amount of uh, of sort of finger pointing and polarization and you got to be sort of really careful about how how much of this you want to take in or how much you should take in uh, but it is out there so you know what do you do about it again it's go back to connecting talk to others you know make sure that you're you know talking to people whether it's audio uh, only or audio and visual take advantage of any opportunity you can to get eye to eye with your clients with your cohorts uh, with others in your community, it's just you know it's that that idea that we need we need uh, visually to be available. Um, take time to be with others where possible. Uh, here, what we're really looking for is 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 really that idea of human touch. You know, can you touch somebody? The the dog, the cat, the you know your spouse, your your children, your immediate your immediate community. Uh, really. Uh, take the time to be with them and don't be so task focused or so immersed in what you want to get done that you don't take the time to really uh, connect with people physically. Check in with your clients. Um, you don't have to have answers here. You don't have to have solutions. It's really about connecting with them, checking in with them, finding out how they're doing, uh, finding out what are their challenges and, and help them, you know, walk through that. So again, the idea that disruptions, the three factors are the loss of routine, uh, the need to act, the loss of routine being, you know, the opportunity to build a routine to get to it, the need to act, don't be impulsive, think about your thinking, and then the loss of connection is do what you can to stay connected, whether your audio, you know, whether it's a phone call, whether it's a, you know, Zoom call, or whether it's, uh, you know, just the opportunity to your immediate communi community connect with them and, and, and get some physical touch in there. Again, back to the idea of the rider and the elephant. It's so so easy to see the value in this analogy. The elephant being the emotions, it's going to go where it's going to go. If you can make the path easy, it will follow the path. The logic being the rider, uh, your job is to steer the elephant, but your job is also to make that path as easy as possible. I uh, hope that sticks with you a little bit. Um, thanks so much for uh, having me here. Thanks for the opportunity to share some ideas with you and look for additional information uh, at jamconsultinggroup.com. Uh, Jeff, again, thanks for giving me the opportunity to participate today and be part of this uh, Stack Denver uh, session.
Thanks, Greg. We really appreciate that. And of course, uh, you can reach out to, to me directly um, at Peak Capital uh, or through Stack to learn more about JAM Consulting and, and be in contact uh, uh, with Greg. A little bit more about strengthening the advisor community or Stack, the Denver chapter. Uh, we host meetings, uh, whether it's in person under normal circumstances. Uh, or virtually on a quarterly basis. Members of Stack uh, typically are anyone within the ecosystem that supports the registered investment advisor and the financial advisory community throughout Colorado. And there are also chapters uh, around the country that have had tremendous success uh, linking this ecosystem so that collectively we can serve the advisor community and strengthen the advisor community more effectively as a unified front uh, versus all of us uh, working independently uh, to support the advisor community. We really welcome the feedback of our members. If you like the format that we're using here uh, through Zoom and Coach's Corner for that matter, um, and you know someone that would bring an interesting topic to the table, or you yourself would provide interesting content, then please reach out to myself or other members of the leadership team to offer that content to the group. We know that there's an appetite among uh, this ecosystem that supports uh, the advisory community, and there's also appetite among the advisory community uh, for this content. We're not looking for sales presentations or product endorsements, uh, but timely topics that reinforce our mission of Stack. So please drop us a line and let us know what you're thinking. You can contact me directly at my email, jeff, G-E-O-F-F, -F, at pcmstrategies.com. Again, G-E-O-F-F at PCMstrategies.com. Greg, again, thank you so much for your time and sharing your expertise. We look forward to um, the next installments of Coach's Corner and hearing more about empowering advisors to reach their potential, especially through challenging times. So for that, we'll sign off. And again, thank you, Greg. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you.